Springville. We, uh, uh, we've been in a series called Delivered, and the idea behind it is that we have emotions that hold us prisoners to behaviors and attitudes that actually harm us and the others around us and make us ineffective in our walk with Jesus Christ. And so there's been four, there are four, I'm, uh, I couldn't get Andy Stanley to come and preach, so I just have been using his book as a basis for, as he explores these four emotions. And I highly recommend Four Enemies of the Heart for you to get and read. If you want a better treatment of this than you're getting now, go to him. He'll give you uh, an incredible treatment of these. But still, the scripture's pretty clear about these four emotions and how we can be set free from them. And we looked at uh, two so far. We looked at guilt, and that's the sense that I owe you something. And when we feel guilt, and we will feel it regularly, often, frequently in our lives, it comes and goes. When we feel it, the way we deal with it is we confess it. And that brings it to light and puts an end of the guilt And then we talked about anger, and that's the sense that you owe me, and I'm angry at you for what you have done, what you have said, how you have treated me, and the way to deal with that is to cancel the debt, to forgive it. Even if the person doesn't feel they've done wrong, if you've been hurt by them, even if they won't admit it, you can still cancel any debt you feel. The third emotion I want to talk about is greed, and this is the one that I think most of us are asleep about. Now think about that. This is the one that is the hardest to recognize in our lives for a number of different reasons. We recognize anger and guilt pretty quickly. But greed? When was the last time you said, man, I feel greedy? Because most of the times we explain it away. I'm not greedy, I'm just a good saver. I'm not greedy, I'm planning the future. I'm not greedy, I'm frugal. And here's the issue. You should save, you should plan, you should be frugal with your money. That's wisdom, but at some point, we cross a line in our hearts that goes from wise to greedy. Is this greedy or is this wise? I talk a lot about money, a lot. I worry about money a lot. Is that greedy or is that wise? I don't give abundantly. (laughs) Well, I know that isn't wise, (laughs) so yeah. I'm reluctant to share things that I own. I quibble over small amounts of money. I talk as if I have just enough to get by. I create secrecy in my life about money. I tend to keep reminding people what I've done for them. I am reluctant to express gratitude for things that people do or give to me. 
I'm not content with what I have, I often want more. I attempt to control other people or organizations by the money that I give. I give it so I get say. And it should be used how I think it should be used. You see, the, the greed is not a financial issue. It's not how much you have, it's not how much you make. Greed is a heart issue. It's how much you want and how much you keep. And that's critical. Because we, we, we give it over to, we explain it away by looking at somebody who's got a lot and made a lot, and we think that's greedy. But the scriptures does not say that that's greedy because it's God who gives people little or much. What greed is, is the sense that I owe me. I have the right. I've earned it. It's mine. I can use it as I want. I owe me. And therefore, it's seen in what we want and what we keep. Not what we have. Now, uh, Jesus talks about this. The scripture talks about greed in many different ways, often. Because like us, the people that were listening to Jesus were asleep when it came to greed. They didn't recognize in their hearts. And by the way, this story that Jesus is going to tell that we're going to read today was, was said to people who were primarily poor people. They, they didn't have the buying power, the money that we have today. This is said to, Jesus is speaking to poor people. He's not speaking to a bunch of rich people and we can let ourselves off the hook. He's speaking to people who have very little in their lives and he warns them about greed, how much more us? How much more should we be aware, awake to the reality that, oh, maybe my heart has been affected by greed. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, so Jesus is teaching, and somebody yells out, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now that would have been awkward if you were the brother, wouldn't it? And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? There is a judge between them, but Jesus says, who appointed me your judge? And then he said, now watch out. Now he uses that comment, yelled out. That's why I guess we don't yell out in our services because if the pastor were smart enough, he'd use those as an opportunity to teach about what we were yelling out. And so probably wise to just, you know, I like the amens and preach it kind of if they ever do start coming. But you, you want to careful what you yell out in a crowd because, well, I'm not smart enough to take you up on it anyway. I'll, I'll think of it. I'm like George Costanza. And I, I'll think of it a day later what I should have said. So you'll be safe. Yell whatever you want. I won't be able to think of it anyway. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Hmm. This is the platform Jesus is using to say, I want to talk to you you relatively poor people, about all kinds, not just greed, all kinds of greed, life does not consist in abundance of possessions. It's not about what, life isn't about what you want and keep. That's greed. So I was at the cottage, uh, this is a couple summers ago, 
And I, I forgot to bring something to read, so I brought, I, I looked, and uh, Crystal's mom has a whole bunch of Reader's Digest. Now, some of you don't have a clue what they are, but some of you know what they are. And they're condensed nonfiction ones. And, and I pulled one out, and it was from 1988. And the author that wrote this, uh, his section of the, the book, there's four books, and his book was he had, he had written the 100 richest people in the United States in 1988 and asked them could he do an interview about their view of money. And 50 of them agreed to it. And all of the people earned or had a net worth, I should say, of north of $400 million. Now, I'm going to stop for a second. We live in an age, 30-some years later from 1988, where we start measuring personal wealth in the hundreds of billions. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. So 400 million doesn't seem like a lot. Like 400 million doesn't buy what it used to. <laughs> but really, even today, 400 million you're doing okay, right? Well, in 1988, that tells you the increase of wealth over 30 years in the U.S. The richest people in the U.S. were north of 400 million. So he interviews 50 of them. There were two, there were two insights that came out of it that just caught my attention. Well, what were those insights, Ed? I'm glad you asked. Those insights were well, the first thing was of, of, of all the people that earned or had a net worth of 400 million or more and earned millions every year because of their business and because of their net worth making interest, who earned millions, he asked them, would you live on a million dollars a year or less? And the majority of them said, well, of course, I would never spend a million dollars personally on myself. These are people worth over 400 million. No. And one guy goes, I wouldn't even know how to spend a million dollars. He's worth more than four. I wouldn't know how to spend a million dollars. Personally. Now, there were some that lived the high life, the big life, this life we see on TV, and, and you know, the yachts and the parties and that. There were a few. The vast majority of them did not spend a million dollars on their own personal lives and families, though they were worth north of 400 million. And so he said, what do you do with it? And he said, well, I invest it. I put it back into the business. I put it back into my net worth. I grow it and I grow it. Very few of them gave large amounts of money away. They just kept putting it back in because there was never enough. Wow. Ever feel that way? No, be honest with yourself and Jesus right now. Do you ever feel like there's never enough? Well, yeah, but I don't have 400 million. I'm telling you, you get 400 million, it still won't be enough. For those that have it, there's never enough. They don't give it away. They just keep building because that feel, makes them feel secure. I always want to get more. Remember, greed is not a financial issue. It's not about what you have, and, and, and it's not what about you make. It's about what you want and what you keep. The second insight that he got from them was, um, I forget. <laughs> What was the second insight? Jen, yell it out. Yeah, 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 I lost. He's, he, oh, 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 oh. I'm lost, I can't remember. 
Somebody, I'll remember it later on my sermon. I, I wanted to really make this point too because it was very interesting. It's really interesting. I can't get it, it's gone. So the point of this whole story is greed is not a financial issue. It's not what, now it's bugging me. I'm trying to think of it while I'm talking. I'm pulling, greed is not about what you make or have. It's about what you want and what you keep. And that is what Jesus is trying to remind us here is about what, be careful of greed because it captures your heart. And you know, um, the truth of the matter is, you don't have to have 400 million to be greedy. The first run-in I had with greed, I was about 10 years old, and uh, I went to stay over at my friend's place, Mike's, and uh, my mom sent a bottle of Coke, big bottle of Coke, which was, okay, Today, everybody has Coke, but when I was a kid, like it was a big treat to get a bottle of Coke. Mom sent it with me and we went, and we were getting snacks, and I remember I was pouring the Coke, because I brought the Coke, so I was pouring, had two glasses, and I was pouring, and I'd pour into each one, and I'd pour into each and then I'd look, and then I'd pour a little more, and then I'd look, and then I'd pour a little more, making sure those glasses were exactly the same. And so Mike was watching me do this thing, drop, 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 you know, getting it absolutely perfect, and then he said to me, you are so stingy. 10 years old, out of the mouth of 10 years. You are so stingy. And I'm like, well, oh, ouch. And you know what I said? You're right, I should repent of this greed. <laughs> no, I said, well, it's not fair if one person gets more than the other. Which being interpreted means it's not fair if I'm the one that gets the less. I brought it. I owe me. It should be fair. It wasn't about fairness. It was about what I wanted. And so it doesn't matter if you've got 400 million, 40,000, or a bottle of Coke, you can be greedy. Because it's not about what you make and what you have, it's about what you want and what you keep. Now let me show you this. So Jesus told, remember, he's gonna talk about greed, and Jesus said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Okay, so here's a dilemma. Guy's really rich, and he's a farmer, and he gets such a huge increase, such a huge bountiful harvest, he doesn't know where to put it. And so he's got a problem. And he asks a question. What is the question he asks? What am I going to do with the extra that I have been given? What am I going to do with my harvest? Let's see, here's, that's the wrong question. I mean, if anybody knows we have what we have because we are given it, it is a farmer. Farmers work hard. They work hard 
planting seed. They work hard investing. They work hard in caring for their seed and their fields. But they know that in the end, if there is too much sun one season, or too much rain one season, or too many pests one season, they will get a small harvest. And if there's a famine, they will get no harvest. And so they know that though they have to work, what they get is really not controlled by them. It is controlled by the God who controls the sun and the rain and the pests. And so if you have extra, or rather if he has extra, it isn't because he's been so you know, frugal and so great and, and worked so hard and this is all of a result of him. It's because in a system of God's opportunity and provision, he did his part and then God did his part and he is now benefiting and his question should not be, what should I do with this? The question should be, God, why did you give me this extra? Well, that's a different question. Stop for a minute. Some of you are getting your tax refunds back. Some of you may be getting an inheritance hitting your accounts or bonus from work. What's the question you ask when you get that extra? is the question, what will I do with this extra? Or is it, God, what do you want me to do with this extra? They're two very different questions and they show a very different heart. One heart thinks, I have what I have because I have earned it. I have worked for it and I have done the best and it is because of me that I have what I have. And there is truth in that you must work in the economy of God. We have our part and we must work and we must do our part. But it is also true that the opportunities, the skills, the education, the world we live in, the country we live in are all gifts given to us. They were not planned by us. And so we belong in this economy and if you don't do your part you're not going to see nothing but you do your part it's because God blesses you and the work you do and he gives to you and me much and then a question is not what should I do as if I own it a question should be God what do you want me to do wake up do you know how stupid we're going to stand in eternity when we go well it was mine That's why I want you to wake up. And then he said, so what am I going to do with all this extra? Really, the question should have been, God, what do you want me to do? And then Jesus said, this is what I'll do. In other words, the, old, the rich farmer says, this is what I'll do. So he has a solution. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That's his solution. So God has given him the increase. His solution is, hey, <laughs> I'm going to increase my standard of living. Right? He, the barns that he had represented what he, the, the lifestyle that he had before that and the extra that he stored. And he goes, well, I've got all this more. I'm going to, going to tear down my barns, build bigger ones. I'm going to increase my standard of living. 
And let me just translate it a little bit. And then I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to move somewhere where it's warm. I'm going to play golf. I'm going to eat well, walk on the beach. My kids aren't going to have to worry about me. I'm going to live out my dream for my life. That was his plan. Now, if if you're honest with yourself, you might be thinking, uh, Ed, isn't it good that he planned his life? Isn't it good that he planned for his retirement? Isn't it good that he planned for how he was going to use that money? Isn't it good that he planned that his kids won't have to look after him, the state won't have to look at him, look after him? Isn't it good that he planned? I love Andy Stanley's insight into this. The problem is not that he planned ahead. The problem is that he did not plan far enough ahead. Why do I say that? Well, I didn't, Jesus says it. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? We forget this, but it should be obvious to us. Just look around. Everybody you see, go ahead, look around. Everybody you see, dead, 100%. We're all gonna die. And everybody you see, think about what they own, their house, their cars, their money, their bank accounts, their OSPs, left here. Everyone, every single one of us. The problem is not that he planned. I think it's great that you plan the, uh, the use of your money. I think it's great. I think it's necessary you plan out your retirement. I think it's necessary that we plan how to use our money. But all of that should be done within the context of one day I will die and it all stays behind and somebody else gets it, which is a bit of a kick in the gut. Right? While I'm here and I keep it for myself, God says, well, when you die, I'm just going to give it to everybody. So you could have given it to people, but you didn't. You kept it for yourself. So when you die, it's just going to go to a bunch of other people. It all goes somewhere else. The question is whether I'll be giving it or God gives it away. But it does get given away. And here's the thing. He doesn't realize, he didn't plan far enough ahead. He planned, I'll be happy, I'll be walking the beach, I'm going to work on my golf game, going to eat nice, the whole bit. But the problem is that's not the end. The end is, oh yeah, then I die, and then I stand before God, and God goes, now let's talk about what you did with what I gave you. See, there's the end. And so all the planning, we should plan, we should be wise, we should save, we should be frugal, of course, but in light of the fact that one day I have to give account for everything I own. Wake up, wake up, because you do too, every one of us, this, the, the, the world, the, the having of things, the wanting of things, and keeping them will not fulfill you and will actually destroy your life if you don't learn to be generous with them, because you will be given uh, an opportunity opportunity to give them away called today and then you will have an opportunity to give account for how you dealt with everything you were given to manage you and me both see we live in a day-to-day world it's easy to forget this and that's why we never feel greedy because it's easy like planning for retirement for some of you man you're 30 years away from that others a little bit closer 
seems so far away. But that's not the end. The end is when you stand before Jesus and he goes, now let's talk about the money I gave you. Let's ask that question now. Before you get back out and the world around you tells you you need to buy if you want to be happy, you need to buy. Because our world, the thing about our capitalistic society, which I think is fantastic, is, but the problem, the downside, the shadow side of it is it keeps to keep itself going. We need to keep consuming. And so we think that we've been told the line that you'll be happy, you'll be fulfilled if you keep consuming, keep consuming, keep consuming, keep buying, keep buying, keep buying, keep buying. if that will keep make us happy and so before you get back out there and keep hearing that message with every message with every advertisement you see with every car nicer than yours that drives by with every friend that tells you a story about the trip that they're on before you begin to believe again that the life is in the abundance of things let's just take a second and ask the question well then why did God give me so much uh-huh God didn't give me a lot not compared to my brother, not compared to my parents, not compared to Okay. Let's just look at that. You're in the top if you're here, you're in the top ninety-four percent richest people in the world. I don't care how much money or how little you got, you're in the top ninety-four percent. Why'd God put you here? And by the way. If you're here and you live in this part of the GTA, (laughs) you're in the top percentage of people in Canada as far as money. Oh, sure, there's richer people than you, but not many. And you probably have more than your parents had. Did you ever think of that? And by the way, you have more, probably for most of us, we have more now than we did 10 years ago. Why? Why do you have so much? Well, I gotta take care of my family. Really? God gave you so much that you just are supposed to spend it on, this is, this is, such, a, this is such a farce. Yeah, I, God gave me all this money to take care of my family. Okay, so God wants you to be excessively rich and taken care of while the rest of the world has nothing. That's God's plan for your life. I'm not denying you need to take care of your family in this culture. But is it all you have for your family? Well, God wants to take care of me to maintain my lifestyle. Oh, please, don't go into Jesus' presence with that excuse. God give, has blessed me because I'm going to need to retire and this is how I'll live. I won't have an income. Well, that's true. You do need to have an income. But really, has, that sounds a lot like this man. Everything you have is for you in your retirement? Why did God give me and you so much? Why? There is only one scriptural answer so that we could be generous. You have so much so you could be generous. So you could invest in the kingdom of God and into other people who are in need and reflect the heart of Jesus to them. 
We have been so blessed financially. Wake up. We have been so blessed, not so we can consume. Though it takes money to live, I get it. I'm not downplaying retirement. I'm not downplaying education. I'm not downplaying having a house. It's all the reality of living. But we've got more than that. And it's been given to us so that we can give much, so we can be generous. Oh, what does generous mean? Okay, use that term, oh, generous, be generous. Here's generosity, when you're generous, it affects your lifestyle. Let me say it again. When you're generous, it affects your lifestyle. You can't do all the trips that you want to do. You can't own the house you want to own. You can't drive the cars you want to drive. You can't do the shopping that you want to shop. You can't live at a level that people at your income level live with because you're giving enough of it away that it forces you to change your lifestyle. Because the heart of a person that is not controlled by greed but is delivered from it is a person that says, I I want, I want to live on less so I can give more. That's how we overcome greed. Because greed is not a financial issue. It's not how much you make. I mean, I was greedy with a bottle of Coke. You know, you don't have to be rolling in dough to have a bottle of Coke. It's what I want and what I keep that reflects reveals my heart and yours. And so generosity is the biblical antidote to greed. And generosity is a term that describes a person that gives a significant portion away of what they have so that they can't live the way they truly want. It changes your lifestyle. Now for some of you, that description of generosity isn't enough, so let me just go a little bit further. The scriptures originally teach that followers of God, right from Genesis, the followers of God would give a tithe, 10%. The New Testament says, no, no, grace giving, which is a tithe and then over top of that. So if you need numbers, a tithe is 10%. If you need numbers, there they are. Now, if I can believe the statistics, for Canada, most of us struggle with giving, giving generously. And so it's like getting healthy. If you're going to wake up and you're going to be prepared to talk to Jesus about how you've handled what he has given you, then here's what I would just, think of it a lot like getting in shape, physically. Something triggers your mind, you go, oh man, I gotta get in shape. Maybe it's you didn't fit in the clothes that you should have fit in, or your, your child says, you're fat, or you, can't get, you go to run after your child, you can't keep up with them, or whatever it is, and you go, it triggers, and you go, I gotta get in shape. Do you go out and run a 26-mile marathon the next day? Yes. And you're dead at mile three. You never made it. 
No, you, you start some sort of exercise program that has a little bit of intensity to it, and then after you do it for a while, you get used to that intensity, so you increase the intensity. You run a, a, a kilometer, and then you go home, and then you keep doing that until you can run. You go, I think I can go a little bit further, and then you run a little bit further, and then you do that, and then you increase the intensity, so you go now to four, and then to five, and you keep in, increasing the intensity because you're getting in shape. Your body can handle it. And so that's the same way with giving. You start where your faith is. What can you give? What can you say to Jesus? I can start here. Well, then start there and then increase the intensity each time. Once you get comfortable with it, and you will, because funny things happen as you give. Number one, as you give, you want less. It's amazing. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. As you're generous, you give, you want less. That's been one of the most amazing things about consistently giving in my life. It's how little, now that I have the most money in my life, right now, I want the least. I can now afford it. It's like, hmm, don't really care if I have it. Now that's not bragging about me, that's what the Holy Spirit did to me. Because when I was 20, I had some wants. When I was 30, when I was 40, I still battle it. But for some reason, God has changed my heart through this generosity, giving generously. And as I increase it, I change. And then there's another thing. You learn to live. You begin to see how little you actually, actually need and how joyful it is to give to different things. There's a deep joy in being generous. And that's why Jesus said, and he sums up, be careful, life does not consist in the abundance of things. And so greed is that internal motivation that says, I owe myself. And it reflects itself in what we keep and what we want. Generosity says, I give of myself. And it changes us from the inside out. Uh, my mother-in-law was, a couple years ago, was in a bank. She was actually physically in a bank, which <laughs> you don't do that much anymore. But uh, she was there in the bank. She had to make an in-person deposit. And the bank got robbed when she was in there. So some guys, masks on, the whole big guns, yelled at everybody on the floor. My mom, my mother-in-law's in her 80s when this happens, right, early 80s. And everybody's on the floor, and they go to the tellers, give me the money, and they hand over all the money. And the guys get the money and run out the door. Caught two days later, but they inflicted that fear on those people in the bank. I learned that bank executives tell their people, their tellers, if somebody comes in and says they have a weapon and demands money, just give it to them. Your life and the lives of people around you are not worth that money. Just give it to them. Let them have it. Let them go. The main thing is that you're not hurt. Now, what I find funny about this is when it comes to the banks, you know, we so easily talk bad about the banks. They say life, your life is more important than your money. Give it away. But when it comes to Jesus, we say my money is more important. And so I'm going to keep it. 
and we give up our lives to keep our money. Jesus ends his teaching. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we live in one of the richest societies in history and even in our current world. And we have been blessed by you. We didn't choose to be born here. We, we were given that blessing from you. We didn't choose the abilities that we have and the skills that we have. They were given to us from you. We don't even create the opportunity. The whole country and the ec economy is all developed. We, we can't control that, but we get opportunities that come to us because of the economy we're in, and it's all given to us. And yet greed gets us to start thinking that what's mine is mine. I've worked for it. I own it. I deserve it. I get to say what will happen with it. And I suppose some of that is true. We do work for it. And we do get to decide whether we give it away or spend it on ourselves. But we're all going to leave this world, leave it all behind. Somebody else will get it all. And then we'll stand before you and you'll ask, what did you do with what I gave you? And then we'll have to go through our lives. And so I pray you would wake us up. You would wake us up to the reality of the blessing we have so that we become very grateful people. You will wake us up to the, the reality of the richness you've given us and we'll become very generous people. And that we will do this for you. And to be delivered and freed from this sense that I always have to have more. God, um, we suffer from this. It's true of us. This parable that you told really is applicable to us. But help us to take the knowledge we have received today and apply it to our lives and change how we handle that we would take at least one step of being more generous than we are and that you would put that step on our hearts and our minds so that we can obey you and begin to grow and be freed from greed. Amen. Thank you.